0: welcome
1: to hallmarked up with
2: mary and sarah welcome back everyone and we're here today to talk about sister swap a hometown holiday and uh before the recording started rolling we were kind of sharing some initial takes and I, I I gotta say this is not this is not
1: anyone's favorite. Well, first of all, we have our, our lovely guest friend joining us today, who Hi, is Fran. a little, little bit of a Hallmark—not a virgin, but longtime not watcher of the Hallmark Christmas. <laughs> I am a say.
0: definite neophyte in the world <laughs> of Hallmark, and I'm just going off the assumption that this this was an immersion into the world of Hallmark Christmas that is that is about as deep and as thick as it. It gets in some sense this town was Christmas on steroids
1: well and, I, and I, 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 as accurate. I mentioned when, when Fran messaged me something that I hope he remembers to say later in the show I said that's all this is very typical homework but this is like I think the thing that's disappointing for this and of course we will do as per usual the recap and whatever but they spent some
2: money on this and they just forgot to pay someone to write a good script I feel 100% agree And I also think Fran is completely right in saying this is a deep immersion in the Hallmark because what made this overwhelmingly bad was not that any one thing about it was worse than usual. It was that it checked all of the Hallmark boxes and checked them hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When Sarah brought up the bingo card that I was thinking about as I was watching the movie and you could have filled 10 bingo cards with this movie. Every oh, second, there was there was a not even daily. There seemed to be an hourly Christmas tradition in this town, somewhere happening at some point.
1: I have to admit, I struggled to come up with one because it just felt like it was hard to point
2: one out over another. Which... There's yeah, too much low hanging fruit. Besides just bingoing so hard, I think the other thing that made this one really hard to watch was the format that they kind of tried to experiment with where it's clearly like the sister movie to another movie
1: there were a few things and we both sort of commented on this on different uh text threads that like this is obviously an unfinished film but I don't know if I care (laughs) what happens
0: I was not at all hip to the part two-ness of the movie until it was about halfway in when all of a sudden it became about Salt Lake City again and and I couldn't Figured that out, and then I and then I was on board and realizing that we were we we're being we're gonna be taken on two trips simultaneously.
1: And four hours of this is probably at least an three hours too much, by anyone's book. I would say.
2: I mean, I think it's about three and a half hours too much. But...
1: Well, and Fran pointed out, and I, you know, obviously we watched the formula over and over and over again, but. He said, "I wondered what was going on when, like, for the first thirty minutes there wasn't a single ad, and then suddenly they come every ten minutes, every five minutes, every two minutes towards the end." And that's exactly right. You're like, "Oh yeah," at the start they get you hooked, and then it's all commercials. But Mary,
2: let's tell us about
1: Sister Swap, a hometown holiday.
2: So. This is part one of a two-part series, the other part being sister swap, like a holiday in the city or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Christmas in the city, I believe. Christmas in the city. Thank you very much, Fran. So this one sort of sets up both of them. So you've got two sisters. Their names are Jennifer and Meg. Who are sisters in real life, Kimberly Williams-Paisley
1: and Ashley Williams, both who who are are relatively famous. And Kimberly famously was in Father of the Bride, both of them, the Seymour version. And J- Ashley Williams, I would say is probably most, in my opinion, mostly famous for being a regular-ish character on How I Met Your Mother.
0: This may be a relatable moment for me, but I, I actually have worked with a gentleman named George Newburn, who played the son-in-law and Father of the Bride. So I, I guess that, that puts me one degree removed from from Ooh, Ashley Kimberly. Williams. Kimberly. What Kimberly Williams.
2: Anyways, carry on, Mary. So you've got two sisters, Meg and Jennifer, and I am not familiar with the Williams sisters. And so I'm not going to try and tell you which is which, but Sarah already did at some point. Okay, cool, whatever. Meg, Ashley, Jennifer, Kimberly. That's cool. The longer name for the longer, yeah, it works. Okay, I got it. So Meg lives in their hometown of Hazelwood and helps with the family bakery business. And Jennifer lives in Salt Lake City, and runs a restaurant jennifer also seems to be relatively recently widowed not super recently but it seems that this restaurant is something that she and her husband opened together and that he has passed away she also has a teenage son named simon also important to the plot we learn that their uncle dave has recently passed away in the past year and uncle dave ran the town's movie theater the Madison. Apparently, Meg goes to Paris every year with Uncle Dave, and she's planning on going alone this year, and she just might stay. This just might be when she, you know, leaves the family bakery and strikes on her own somehow in Paris. It's kind of unclear what she's going to do in Paris. Um, No one in Hallmark clearly ever needs, like, a visa or anything to live in a foreign country, so it's all unclear. So without Uncle Dave, the theater is now for sale, so Jennifer and Meg's parents have inherited the theater from Uncle Dave, but they already have the bakery, so they can't run the theater, too. They're putting it up for sale, but it absolutely kills them to do this. They can't stand to see it close, and everybody is really hoping for a buyer that will keep the historical details and keep the spirit of the place alive. But the only buyer they seem to have lined up is Starmark, which they didn't even try and make it not sound like Cinemark. I know. And who, what was the guy? Steve Cross. Steve. Yes. Steve Crosby. (laughs) Yes. From Starmark cinema is a big chain
0: is sure. We'll get there. But I I told Sarah in the end, I really felt the most for Steve. I was disappointed for Steve at the end of the movie.
2: Yeah. So anyways, Steve Crosby of Starmark cinemas is interested in purchasing the Madison and nobody is particularly thrilled about this, but everyone's kind of accepted it except for Jennifer, who's really like, no, you can't like sell this to a chain. Jennifer is visiting her hometown where Meg usually lives and Meg in the meantime has gone to Salt Lake City and is working at an event at Jennifer's restaurant for reasons that aren't entirely unclear and that I assume will become clear I I know I
1: was was confused by all of this I wasn't really sure why she's not going to Paris and why she ended up there but again I don't know if I care enough to watch the next two hours to find out but
2: she wasn't going to Paris till after Christmas so she's just not there Uh, yet presumably but she had to
1: go to the restaurant i couldn't figure out why she needed to go there at all why right i wasn't sure what
0: that? she was doing in salt lake city in the first place that i don't think that was ever super clearly explained except to maybe insert herself into the tuba ensemble for their for their concert which is Always how possible. how we are we're introduced to meg that alone would would probably merit the ride to uh, salt lake city
1: and and right. Fran discovered that there actually is like a tuba thing in salt lake city
0: I did some research oh. and and when we talked about when we talked about the sort of a bingo card I went with the immediate sort of musical christmas ensemble outside with the with the heavy brass and I looked it up and it is indeed an SLC tradition where you can just show up with your tuba or your euphonium for rehearsal that morning and and get your lips up to speed and then they go play in the town square and it actually would have timed out almost it was December 8th so almost exactly when it would have been in the movies or sort of the beginning of that Christmas
2: you know what season. credit where credit's do. I feel like Hallmark tends to plop things into various cities and not actually research anything local and so I mean you know that's good for them they, they yeah, usually
0: I was very surprised
1: so we've got Meg in Salt Lake doing the restaurant thing.
2: Jennifer which presumably will be further explored in the second. Movie. Right.
1: And surely a love interest will arise. We already know who it's going to be. Let's be honest. It's exactly.
0: Like, it's not hiding yeah
1: Guy who also runs the restaurant. and so But Jennifer in the meantime runs into her high school boyfriend who... No, no. Not her high school boyfriend. Her high school crush. Correct. Oh. They weren't actually together. And I think they were hardcore crushing on each
2: other which we don't learn until a bit later. And his name is Eric, and his only excuse for being involved in this at all is that he's on Hazelwood City Council, and he is concerned with the preservation of historic buildings, which apparently includes the Madison.
1: And he also has lost his spouse to a death, I believe, which is... Yes. I'm going to get into that later, because that's like total old school Hallmark. Like, they went back like 20 years by doing that.
0: I'm pretty sure there's something in the water in Hazelwood, because the people (laughs) are dying far too early all over the place. That's right. Um, Especially
1: if you graduated in that class of high school, man, that's not good odds.
0: And this may be me just not being used to Hallmark movies. But if you took this out of context, that dude has every sign of a stalker. I mean, he popped up (laughs) everywhere that this woman was. And then as soon as he popped up, The room cleared every scene. He pops up, the room clears, and they are alone. I found it to be a slightly disturbing. There was
1: one really weird scene that I noticed that where, like, they were testing the projector. And even the projector lady was like, hey, kids, everybody out.
0: Hey, let's leave your mom alone in the dark with this guy.
2: I'm glad every now and then we have a Hallmark neophyte fight like you, Fran, to point these things out because honestly, I've now been watching these so long that I've forgotten how weird this is. I know. I actually
0: we, we, was we thinking we don't
1: of, notice the like unreality that is Hallmark because we're just so absorbed in it now.
0: I was thinking about my role in this whole equation for this show, and I realized that it that is probably true on so many counts like i said to sarah almost immediately i was like is it always this christmasy so yeah i hope i can bring that a little bit of fresh perspective for
1: sure So, so as we can imagine eric and jennifer i would say shorten up a whole bunch of shit that didn't need to happen are gonna try and work together to figure out what they can do to revitalize the theater for one last hurrah
2: yes and also of note is that eric is a single dad and we've talked about how widows and widowers on Hallmark with children are extremely common because you need children for the awe factor, but you can't have divorce because that would be un-Hallmark. Like now there are some divorces. Yeah, but, they've you
1: know. made, this is why I was really disappointed and I'll talk about it in my bingo moment, but like they have come away from everybody just loses their wife or husband by a tragic death or maybe yeah. not a tragic death. Maybe they were ill or whatever and to have That's some still pretty like,
2: tragic but yeah
1: yeah but like not in a car accident or something terrible but like they they've come away from oh yeah it just didn't work out or we amicably share our child a bit and they've done some different things like that but this was like 20 year regression i was super disappointed in them
2: Right. This is back to the days when everyone was a single parent, but it was never because of divorce. It was always because of tragic young widowhood. And everyone's child is unreasonably well adjusted in spite of the fact that they have lost a parent. One thing
1: that I did like, though, with these two kids is that they weren't exactly the same age. Oh yeah that's true. Th- that usually happens that they're like they're going to be brother and right. sister but maybe end up together in some creepy romantic well, fashion. It's nice well. to
0: be able it's nice to be able to show Simon in that light of sensitive teenager who who can bond with little kids and knows how to treat a little kid gently. But Mary I I agree. I thought when she said when Jennifer had, was talking about Simon I think to Ashley and saying, "Oh, he's He's opened up. He's so much happier here. From the beginning of that movie, you look at that kid and you go, Really? This kid's having adjustment problems? Exactly. It's, it's not happening. He looks like the most confident, self assured, sort of relaxed uh, kid that you could ever see at that. An age.
2: extremely family oriented, non sulky. Yeah. And he's a cute teenager. kid. So he would have had right. a lot of friends.
0: Of course, he's super handsome. He gets the big picture, the context, he's sensitive. It's it's it was a little bit of a stretch to, to to buy him as a hurting kid who somehow came to back to Hazelwood and, and found himself And found again.
1: himself yes. So they they have a bit of a go at opening up the theater for a test run, and they're hoping this will be the only time. And it doesn't quite go as planned, shall we say?
2: It doesn't go as planned. So they're going. Apparently, there's this Madison Theater tradition of Christmas movie night where they show christmas cartoons apparently and the whole town loves it and they start planning one of these for just one last hurrah at the madison before the sale and it's going to be just for the family but then word gets out and now the whole town's invited the whole town's coming and it does not go well because movie night comes around simon's super invested in this by the way but several things happen number one the heat in the theater doesn't work and they're like oh that's okay we had like the senior center send a bunch of blankets like okay cool that's they don't need them well, not like they need it. Right. Like, all right. right, fine, whatever. The number two thing that happens is the popcorn machine catches fire for unknown reasons. And then presumably related to the popcorn machine catching fire, the power goes out. So then without the power, there's no more projector. The projector was shit anyways. Um, the it was projector
0: blows up correctly. The, the local yeah. high school AV teacher who is also was the projectionist for, for the legend that was Uncle Dave comes back, but even she can't save the... The projector, and and can I interject at this point, when do you think the last time a movie was shown there before Brad Paisley's wife? they definitely
1: made it out like it had not been that long, but I agree, they wouldn't have been able to have run any current kind of film without updating that projector in the last five years.
0: And the fact that it was so decrepit, it had fallen apart and the heat was out of order and everything was broken in that place. And yet mom says, if I had known last Christmas was going to be the last one with Dave, so it had to be within the year. So I'd love to know what happened in that building within the year.
2: I'm with Fran. I can't buy that it is that decrepit and nobody noticed it until now.
0: Maybe that was the real scandal that Uncle Dave had just let it run down into such disrepair and no right. one had known. Damn
2: that
1: Uncle Dave.
0: One of the things that 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 kept nagging at me too is I really felt like they sort of played fast and loose with time a little bit. I can't quite mm-hmm. put my finger on it, but Uncle Dave's age and the mom and the kids and I'm, I'm, it, something about it. And the dad in felt... the
1: wheelchair and there was like not much comment about that. And Yeah, who ends up being a out...
0: blues god.
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure out for a while if he was their dad or their grandpa. He looked like quite older than the mother.
0: I was very confused through the first probably 20 to 30 minutes of the movie about whose Uncle Dave actually was. And how it all sort of came together. And I admit, I missed the a, missed a part where uh, Megs was talking about the trip to Paris, and she was talking about Uncle Dave, but I thought she was talking about like a husband she had lost. And it was, I just thought people were dying all over the place. It, eventually, I got back on board. And I also did think that that I would have loved for this to have been a drinking game where you had to drink every, every time somebody said the name Dave. Because it would have been Dave was everywhere. That would have been great. Yeah. Obviously, this Uncle Dave was the anchor, man. He was he seemed to be the anchor of Hazelwood and held this this family together. And
2: yet we get to the end of the single dude. And don't know anything about dave as a character really so he's apparently the anchor holding hazelwood together and he's the spirit of christmas and hazelwood and whatever all we know about him is that he ran a movie theater and at one point like the mother says something like oh yes he always used to surprise you by doing kind things like okay that's just that's I, such a generically fond memory and i remember and that moment cared about and i, I don't remember- really think that that's gonna suddenly like get
1: wrapped up in part two About what was so great about? Like they're just gonna assume that you know that he was great, and that's it.
0: Well, if someone brought me in to write part two of this, I suspect we're not gonna hear much about Uncle Dave at all. Uh, Uncle Dave, I think, was the setup to all of this, and now we're we're into this. We're gonna spend most of the time with Megan. In Salt Lake City and her new interest. And I really don't think I think Uncle Dave is going to be a memory. We may hearken back to him at the end of the second episode, but I think Kevin Nealon has probably had his had I his know. and I was excited
1: part, about was, Kevin Nealon.
0: I was I was surprised and excited to see him at the beginning too, but then it came very clear that he didn't suffer a very good fate. <laughs> That's right. But Mary, I that moment stuck out which is amazing because there are so many awkward and stilted moments in this script. But that moment of, oh, he remind me so much of like him. He would just sit there like a bump on a log and then he would do something nice. And you're like, what? what kind of compliment is that, Grandma? That's so weird.
2: Poor, you know, dearly departed Uncle Dave has no character at all. Anyways, this was not our last shot at uh, Christmas movie night, because apparently, unlike 90% of the events that happen in Hallmark movies, this is not something that always happens on Christmas Eve or whatever. This is just a thing that can be scheduled, I suppose. And so, of course, they're going to give it another shot and they're going to try to fix things, which is why that we get a real deus ex machina moment. And by deus ex machina, I mean new movie projector X locked room because they, there's I do have to
1: ask about this. How did they get the projector?
2: It was in a room that. that was locked. And once they figured out how to unlock the room, they were like, there's a brand new movie projector in here. We always told Dave he needed a new projector. Guess he bought one. Cool. I, I didn't know if somebody turned up with a bunch of
1: boxes. I totally missed no. that bit, but I was like, no, okay. He,
0: Simon discovered from grandma that Uncle Dave used to hide keys above doors. And he discovered a key to a, a locked door in the theater. And when he opened it, There was the projector and all the trimmings in there.
2: Meanwhile, Jennifer has started to have thoughts about what if she put a kitchen in the basement of the Madison and ran it as a movie theater slash restaurant. But no, she couldn't do that because she's got the restaurant in Salt Lake and blah, blah, blah. How could that happen? Then we've got a family ornament exchange. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that later when we talk about bingo moments. But striking about this is that Simon and Eric's kid. Oh, Eric and his kid are invited to the family ornament exchange for reasons that aren't entirely what, clear what to me. What was
1: the kid of, Simon, of um, Eric called? Madzy. Madzy like Mad-Z or something? Mad-Z. I couldn't figure out if she was actually called like Madison and they were just calling her that for short. Or like, I didn't get that
0: name. Yeah, Madzy. Never heard it before. And it... it... It found me at at actually at one point I wondered Madison Theater Madsy is there some sort of connection does she was she named after the Madison maybe she was conceived into Madison he did say he he got his first kiss there he did he said it wasn't very good but
2: I don't think anyone in a Hallmark movie is hooking up in a public place like (laughs) they did nobody is making babies in the Madison in a Hallmark movie
0: so anyway there's a
2: family ornament exchange at which Simon and Madsy have a heart to heart about the fact that they both have dead parents and in true Hallmark style it is the most superficial kid in mourning scene ever because nobody can feel actual pain in a Hallmark movie as one should actually feel when they lose a parent and so therefore you know god forbid Hallmark viewers have to grapple with actual emotions. Simon
1: has to like be the knowledge holder of all of the things that are you know parent death and he's like 10 years older than her and it was just wrong it was like they didn't both need to be children of a one parent who died like it just was it was too much it was too
0: much it, it was far too much and and if you remember it all started off with grandma talking about uncle dave take a shot and <laughs> and and the first the first christmas without him and I did. I wrote in my notes, super sappy, super sadness was the, was the name of that moment, as they put it there, because they, it just was shameless.
2: Super sadness for Hallmark. So like Hallmark, super sadness. Oh, yeah. They don't this movie do does not attempt, ever. once again, they don't attempt to grapple with any sort of, with anything that would be recognizable as the realities of actual grief. It's a very, very superficial, we recognize that these characters should be feeling grief based on what they've gone through. And so they're going to have a conversation where they're barely frowning.
0: It's Christmas. Of course it's okay. I did think that overall, uh, outside of the mother, who actually thought acting-wise did a pretty good job in this, Mm -hmm. but outside of her, I thought, boy, everybody deals with really sort of bone-crushing loss pretty easily and smoothly here. Oh yeah. I guess except for Madsie.
2: But even Mad, and I don't want to put too much pressure on this actor that's probably seven years old or whatever. But even Madsy, like her grief gets glossed over too. Like it gets sure. this one scene. Oh, but- yeah. So then after this, we have a scene in the movie theater between Jennifer and Eric. And that's where Eric confesses that he had his first kiss in the movie theater. And Also he the Je- scene where they get cleared out by everybody oh, yeah. else. By the
1: that's projection. the next
0: time they clear out. And, and while well, we clear the air, we clear the air of the super sappy, super sadness when eric and jennifer hold hands for the first time she takes right. his she takes his hand into a little hand holding thing and then we move on to the scene in Can the I theater comment
2: on that by the way i don't think adults who are not already in a relationship do that no that's no, not that's
0: not what i would do
2: for, th- for the might... hand holding to come before the kiss you have to be like eight
0: right i thought that too that's or in very Hallmark. It seemed very familial and not romantic it's not like what what you don't know, walk down the hand walk down the lane skipping holding hands at, at yeah. 45 years old
2: no definitely not
1: it's definitely a relationshipy thing not like a, oh my god we accidentally held hands does that mean he likes me
2: right kind of exactly moment.
0: right well, and, and it was that moment too where eric sort of looks down and goes oh she likes me she really likes me in his head kind of thing and it was very bizarre
2: So here they had a conversation that was actually the kind of conversation that I might expect out of a semi-normal rom-com rather than a Hallmark movie, where Eric says that his first kiss was at the Madison, and then he's like, okay, who was the first person you kissed at the Madison? And she's like, you kidding, I never kissed anyone at the Madison, my uncle worked here. Uncle Dave. And then she's like, well, who was yours? And he was like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, I liked somebody else anyways. And it turns out, of course, that the somebody else he liked was Jennifer. So they had a mutual crush on each other in high school. I uh, did wonder
1: nor. if, like, the who he kissed is going to become some kind of conflict in the future.
2: But it won't well, because see. it's a Hallmark movie. But if this were not a Hallmark movie, it would definitely have been Meg.
0: Right. But, which would have been my prediction for Sister Swap, see, quite like, honestly, going, totally- in, going uh, into it.
2: We're getting into the rewrite. I love this already. Right. Yeah. Keep going. Anyway. I just want to point out, though, they now kiss in the theater. And there's still 34 minutes left in this movie, which is kind of remarkable for Hallmark. Usually that you kiss- was crazy. I wrote that down to your Mary. Like, Fran, they kiss
1: under the mistletoe when the snow is falling in the last 30 seconds. Every time. Every single time. So 34 minutes left. What the hell's gonna happen? I think, I think that speaks.
0: I think that speaks to a level of complexity and nuance in the in the Hallmark <laughs> script writing somehow.
1: Well, and to be fair, this is a four hour movie too. So if you give it that
2: aspect, this is way early for kissing. Really yeah. early. Right. This is so early that you'd almost expect them to break up by the end. Anyways, you know, I've got some notes about you know Meg is showing up every now and then, and there's a crisis at the restaurant, but I'm mostly I don't gonna don't skip over that because it's so.
0: Unresolved. and i don't so i don't want to so I, I i also don't want to gloss over what i really found as the creepiest moment of the entire movie oh do because share. do you remember Ooh, what yes. was do you, do you remember what was running on screen while they were making out no i don't it was the home movies uncle of dave? Un, uncle dave <laughs> oh, right
2: <God>. Drink. <laughs> a and then,
0: but so that's so that's okay that they're making out in front of the home movies of, of uncle dave but then they leave and Eric and Madsy are left sitting in the theater. And I'm like, there's this guy and his little daughter watching home movies of a dead guy on the movie screen. Just the two of them sitting there. theater. Their,
2: it, not their family's dead guy.
0: Just some dead guy. I found yeah. it so, and so weird that, and creepy. That,
2: that Jennifer
1: totally said she didn't ever make out with anyone because uncle Dave was watching.
0: <laughs> and then uncle Dave is up. Was on the uh, we'd be, we'd be so drunk. It'd be great.
2: So anyways, there's some sort of crisis at the restaurant. Who cares? At some point, there's a conversation. But we do get a preview of the dude, right? Yeah, we get a preview of the dude who's cute. The dude that Meg is definitely going to fall in love with. He's cute. So I mean, I'll give him that. Like if I were going to watch just one half of this, it probably should have been the second half for the dude, but whatever. And then we get a conversation between Simon and Jennifer that struck me as really odd. So clearly Simon thinks that Jennifer should save the Madison, that she should buy the theater. From her parents and run it with her, you know, restaurant movie theater idea. And she points out the reasons that this isn't practical because she's still got the restaurant to run in Salt Lake City. And Simon says that the restaurant, he's like, you know, I know that you and dad, it was always your thing. It was your dream. And you worked so hard on this, but I've only ever seen it stress you out. It doesn't make you happy. It only makes you stressed out. Whereas if we stayed here and you ran the theater instead, you could be happy. Now, here's the thing about this conversation for me being a small business owner stressed her out so she should open another small business
1: and without anyone to help her but of course that's the foreshadowing i guess but the thing i thought was even weirder than that mary was when eric was like oh don't worry i looked into the things about turning it into a kitchen for you already like more and this was after to be fair fran pointed out to me that he's a total stalker like That Eric's already like sussed out how to change it into a kitchen for her, even though she hasn't, you know, really said that's what she wants to do.
2: Right, right. He's already pushing her towards that. And they're not like friends or anything. So we've had at least a few Hallmark movies this year where this sort of closeness in the relationship was slightly more plausible and less creepy because they were friends. In this case, they're not friends. They had a crush on each other in high school and it it is implied have barely, if at all, seen each other since.
1: The whole thing is very contrived, just entirely the concept of go away from your other
2: restaurant to do
1: I mean I guess you could maybe say it might be easier because our family's nearby as opposed to Salt Lake that we have no idea how far away that is but
2: I mean it might be fine as like a decision that one would make one could legitimately make the life decision to abandon the one you know business that they open in order to start another one closer to home like that's fine there are life decision reasons one could do that but one of them would not be oh because my other business stressed me out so much like this one won't Anyways, we next get an unusual for Hallmark heart to heart between Eric and Jaffer, in which they talk about the state of their relationship and, you know, will they, won't they, whatever, now that they've kissed. And Eric says that he.
1: That was super odd. I must... They never talk about like how they feel until like the maybe last 30 seconds and they don't say anything. They just kiss. So like to have almost an adult conversation around, should we not? This actually was surprising how it went though. Eric
2: says that they would be setting themselves up for heartbreak um, because he's not ready, presumably after the death of his wife. But then later he clarifies, it's not that he's not ready it's that he would be ready if jennifer were willing to move back to hazelwood but with her in salt lake he's not ready so it sounds like the issue is actually not him not being ready at all it sounds like the issue is the distance which is exactly what he said it wasn't at first but whatever anyways
1: well and this um, is where i went oh my god they're not going to end up together before this movie ends and then i was like oh but there's another
2: 2 hours oh no i knew they would end up together even within you know the 15 minutes that were left at this point because we knew that this movie was not going to end without jennifer somehow making the decision to save the madison and move back to Hazelwood which would salvage her relationship with Eric. Meg is now back somehow temporarily unclear for how long and they're talking about it and they have the sudden revelation that they should go into business together because apparently Meg is now going to help run the restaurant. Meanwhile Jennifer can be setting up the Madison and Hazelwood and they're going to pool their resources and do this. It's kind of unclear to me what exactly is in it for Meg. Maybe this will be you know, expanded upon in the second movie, but it kind of just sounds like Jennifer gets to open a second business and Meg gets to work for her. So I don't really know. It, it, it was very unclear about yeah.
1: a lot of things. Like, I, I don't even know. I don't know why Meg's decisions at the restaurant went all awry. I don't know why she was even there. Or if they
0: did, or if <laughs> they did, I mean, sure. she kept saying, you know, you know, it's things are fine. happening, but everything's all right. And Jennifer just kept just She's flying losing. off the handle. And she would say, Oh, I love my sister. I trust her. It'd be great to, you know, blah, blah. And then just wouldn't trust her as far as she could throw her. That's uh, so, true. which maybe, you know, maybe that's nuanced too. Maybe that's a classic sister relationship. But I found, found everybody's reactions to be sort of causeless. You know, Jennifer would flip out about something that I could see no tension in the situation whatsoever.
1: But this was like, well oh, they crap in- we forgot to put tension in the movie.
0: <sighs> exactly. You know, when and when the real estate agent comes by and says, Well, the only offer we have is from Starmark and you can hear the bump bum bum in the background. And then Steve shows up, and he's a nice guy. He's just like, yeah, well, you know, we'll take your theater off your hand for you, whatever. There's no, there's no villain. We'll, we'll fix no, the heat.
1: We'll get a new projector. Like he's still no, saying all the right.
0: Yeah, things. we're gonna, And and he shows up to their things. He shows up to their little movie night whims. This is Steve from Starmark. I'm sure he has better things to do with his wednesday evenings and and he's showing up to cartoon night for them so even the even the villain even the corporate america villain if there is one is not at all he's just well, a and nice, that's very hallmark nice guy
2: too. so anyways we're about to the end of our summary now so the sisters are going into business together which of course is going to allow jennifer to stay in hazelwood which of course means that eric and jennifer can be together after all the end and that's it i,
0: I missed the moment i'm sorry it was probably while i was out about the actual successful movie night right so they oh yeah they, I
2: think they do skipped finally, over that because it was so boring
0: they do <laughs> finally pull it off but man that theater looked great that was mate amaz- to go from the first movie night which happened probably four nights earlier where it was right. blankets and throwing things together and then the second movie night the entire lobby was decorated with amazingly decorated Christmas trees and we go back and look at it Simon just I did an incredible job. I suspect they stole the trees from the senior center along with the blankets to <laughs> decorate the theater. This is the so
1: theater. fun having someone who doesn't watch Hallmark movies on here because we are so like blinded by the abundance of Christmas decorations that we don't even notice it anymore.
2: I love it. Once again, With and something I wrote down immediately as soon as the character of Simon was introduced was what an unrealistically wholesome teenage boy he is. Yes. And once again, Simon just simon loves family traditions he loves christmas he loves the madison theater and he loves them all unambiguously and uncritically
1: how old do we think he is like shouldn't he be like out with his band or like i don't know like
2: well and to be fair i feel like being really into like movie projection is like a thing a teenager could you know like that that's a thing they could get into no doubt
0: yeah the av club is is a very real thing there's no doubt about it
2: but yeah he's probably i don't know he's probably 16.
1: I know my brothers when they were 15, like the last thing they wanted to do was hang out with my mom. Yeah. They didn't lose their dad either. So maybe maybe their mentality changed because of the death in their family his family. But it all wraps up that like everything is pseudo okay except the restaurant in Salt Lake City that we're really unclear about but what's presumably
2: going on that is also okay. We just don't know yet because we haven't seen this. But the guy
1: thing. and Meg arrived together
2: in Hazelwood, right? I the think guys they do. The uh, they yeah. do the
0: night of the the night of the uh, tree lighting ceremony. They show up together. Oh yeah, there's
2: a tree lighting ceremony too, wasn't there? Yeah, yes,
1: it's on my list. That's a good bingo. Congratulations.
2: So it sounds like we're about to get into our bingo segment. Whether or not we've said that already, so let's For go sure. ahead and go there. So yeah, there was. As Fran has already said, there were about ten bingo cards worth of Hallmark bingo moments in this movie, the caroling. The senior center caroling in particular is, you know, making old people happy. The tree lighting. What else we got, guys?
1: I, I wrote about the, like, Christmas event that, like, obviously was, like, a town square-ish yeah. type of thing. And they were, like, singing and, I don't know, all this shit. And then I also wrote about the widow slash widower. Um, mm. That is definitely a bingo square. And to have had a movie that had both, my actual notes say... Too old school, Hallmark. Like I literally wrote that down. I still feel this was a regression to the 1980s way of doing a Hallmark Christmas movie. That you know, no one has sex except when they have children uh, to create children, and no one gets divorced. And this was a bit for how much further we've gone in the reality of what happens now. To have both a widower, like, and and one of them could have been divorced. That would have been totally acceptable, and no they're both i guess that maybe allowed for the children to be a little bit more connected but because they were so far apart in age they just could have been connected because one was like the older brother type they did not need to both
2: know what it was like to have lost a parent. i've got a list of more bingo moments fran do you want to go next or should i jump in
0: sure no i i counted the uh the trip to the christmas tree farm definitely yes Um, Typical. We have talked about the tree decorating and the ornament exchange. Absolutely. Uh, A lovely scene with Simon baking Christmas cookies with his grandmother. How did I forget? It was in the bakery. It was a very nice scene there. And if I was building a Hallmark bingo board for this movie in the center of the board, I would put, and I have a theory too that goes along with this, I would put hot cocoa. In my text to Sarah last night, I asked her if she thought that the people of Hazelwood actually pissed hot cocoa because (laughs) they drank hot cocoa in every single scene. They went to the senior center. There was hot cocoa. There was a Christmas tree lighting. There was hot cocoa. You go out to the Christmas tree farm. There's hot cocoa. Can't wait to get to the bakery because there's hot cocoa. There was hot cocoa everywhere. And I'm now convinced that there is some tainted hot cocoa going on in (laughs) Hazelwood and that is the reason why there are so many widowers and widows
2: so I actually had written bingo mother son hot cocoa at nine minutes on the first page of my notes because we get nine minutes into the movie and it's not only hot cocoa it's hot cocoa that a they're clearly really serious about because she's a fancy ass contraption for applying whipped cream to the hot cocoa and b it's this touching mother son moment so yeah Other bingo moments, Jennifer's dad is awfully nosy about her love life, and this is definitely a Hallmark Mm -hmm. thing. Family businesses is definitely a Hallmark bingo thing, especially something kind of old timey. They're never going to have like a family business that, you know, like, you know, prints pamphlets or something like that. It's always going to be a family business that does something extremely cute. Though for me, the biggest bingo moment was, and we skipped over this in the summary because it was, as most bingo moments are, completely irrelevant to the plot. Uncle Dave had a Christmas village, and this is a Hallmark Bingo so moment, weird! Right? A family so heirloom, weird. a rediscovered family heirloom with a sentimental significance. So Uncle Dave had a Christmas village that used to put out one piece at a time for the 12 days of Christmas, and two pieces are missing, and so they had to replace those two pieces, but then eventually, of course, the two missing pieces are going to be found in the hidden locked room by Simon, whatever. So this is the big bingo moment for me. But what annoyed me about the bingo moment and a lot of things annoyed me about this movie, but what annoyed me about this bingo moment in particular was what they meant when they said the 12 days of Christmas, because they made it clear that the 12 days of Christmas meant the 12 days leading up to Christmas and not the actual fucking 12 days of Christmas.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to go to the same place. How can you be Hallmark and and get the 12 days of Christmas wrong? I have to assume that they just don't care. They know they just obviously
1: interrupt their January winter movie theme. Well, yeah, because what
0: what Hallmark movie is going to end on January seventh, right? Right, like it's not going to happen. Hashtag relatable with Hallmark top.
1: So we obviously found like way too many things that are bingo-y, unrelatable, not realistic, blah, blah, blah. What about realistic? What about hashtag relatable? What did we find
2: for... I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel for this one.
1: I actually came up with a couple, I have to admit.
2: You go first then. Well, the first thing I would say
1: is first date at the movies. That used to be like my go-to thing. Like okay. I, I used to love, obviously I haven't been in the cinema in a really long time. I did go a couple times before in last summer, I would say into my local theater that I was very really trusting of. And, you know, you had to wear a mask and book online and all that kind of thing. But I haven't been in the cinema for a while, but that was one. And then the second one, I can't remember exactly the context of this, but she calls him, Jennifer calls Eric, possible like you we, we could be possible or this could be a possible thing or you are possible i can't remember exactly i just wrote she calls him possible," and i think that like well i don't know if i would say that i often think that about a guy this guy is possible for me you know and so those are my only two relatable moments well, I've, I've never really like said that out loud i don't think but
2: It's kind of an unusually realistic sentiment for Hallmark, right? Like this idea of contemplating a relationship and thinking about its possibilities without the happy ending already being there.
1: Well, and not being forced to decide that because there's mistletoe or a thing or whatever, like...
2: (laughs) And it was inevitable. Yeah, it was
1: a very almost grown up discussion about, yeah, I liked you once a time. And maybe that didn't work out then. But this is possible. So I wrote that down too. what about you? Those sort
0: of those sort of conversations between the two of them, actually, looking back on it. Well, I found it frustratingly lacking in information about what they were sort of really feeling or going through. They were at least, as you say, not these pat answers these pat romance movie answers they're vague they're stumbly they're you know she's saying you're possible you, mary you made reference to him saying you know being ready but not being ready and her yeah. being away and so at least that was sort of we didn't have the pat romantic answers but i i did find myself just wanting to be like just spit it out please somebody spit it out tell me how you feel that's right um,
1: just go do it already
0: I, I think that the, the two relatable moments uh, or things that, that I had, one was the theater itself, because it does remind me of a little local theater here and the Benner Theater in Northeast Philadelphia where I would go when when I was a kid was certainly not much bigger than that. And you could sit in the back and, and hear the projector as loud as you could hear the sound coming from the screen sometime. And Is the that theater, still a thing? The Benner Theater? Yeah. I don't think it is anymore, but there is the highway theater in, in Jenkintown, which I know that one,
1: you,
0: you did, you know that when you were there for David's birthday party for COVID. So very similar though, right? Not, not the kind of stage. And, and I was a little, I don't know, by that point I was going along for the ride, but the theater itself with the old fashioned footlights and nobody really does that that anymore. Even if they were, they were pushing the envelope slightly. It was a little too puppety, puppet theater, cutesy kind of thing. Um, but yes, that sort of small theater, the small lobby, popcorn machine—that that certainly takes me back to to the to the Benner Theater in my youth. It's where I saw Star Wars for the first time, which Aww. I probably then end up probably seeing six or seven times. And then the second thing was that I sadly found relatable was the production disaster of the first movie night <laughs> and things blowing up and just not working. And I've I've certainly I've been on actual events that people have paid a lot of money for and wall sockets have blown and fires have started and things like that so um, I did at least find that sort of relatable I was kind of glad to see something go wrong because even you know even in the worst of times everything in these people's lives just seems to just sort of go along and and You know, everything's fine. Every everything's. I I sort of felt like it was a movie about people who were mildly unhappy about their life, contemplating making changes that will make them briefly happier, but they will probably just continue on the way that they were. Which doesn't always make for gripping drama.
2: I wondered about that. Come up with Mary. Um, what did I come up with? This is really scraping the bottom of the barrel, but there were a good. 10 or 20 minutes there where Jennifer was struggling with making an adult decision in a way that did not involve the answer magically falling into place. But then the answer magically fell into place. So So I don't know if I can still it. It's like you just
1: were suspending disbelief post. But for like 10 or 20 minutes there, it was kind
2: of unusually realistic of Hallmark to have Jennifer struggling with a decision that was complicated on multiple levels both because of the relationship she wanted to pursue and because of you know her career choices and this sort of thing and it's not that you know I uh, I like my job very much I'm very happily married and so I haven't been making big um career or relationship decisions for a while now but you know I I've had difficult decisions in my life as all adults have and it seemed for a split second there that Jennifer also had a difficult decision that was not going to be resolved by Christmas magic, but that it was resolved by Christmas magic. So it kind of, you I know, mean wasn't the, a very good relatable moment, however, for right. half a second there. Listeners, we just need to point out before we get into our rewrite that we just took a break and in that break, Fran made hot cocoa. That's
0: right. He wants to
2: know it, what it's like to piss hot cocoa. <laughs> so he's going to tell us. He called it the, and I quote, Uncle Dave diet, unquote, take a shot. So yeah, take
0: a shot. A little taste of hazelwood. Oh,
2: uh, that's where, So that's where we should
1: start, and we can market it at hallmark stores everywhere. Hazelwood hot chocolate. Our own taste of live. hazelwood. A taste of hazelwood, taste of and hazelwood. I would recommend just based on their sole popularity this year that they should be hot chocolate bombs.
0: Yeah, we're a big fan of the hot chocolate bomb. We should do it. You should do a, an episode on hot chocolate. I'm sure Wait. you could.
2: Someone explain this. What's a hot chocolate bomb? Is that like a bath bomb, but with hot chocolate? Correct. That is
0: correct. Exactly correct. It's
2: like a big hollow or solid-ish
1: bomb of chocolate that you melt in milk. And sometimes there's like marshmallows inside
2: it. And then you just stir it all up.
0: Put little candy bits in there.
2: And then just drop the chocolate in. Yep. And okay.
1: Yeah. Sold out everywhere that you try like I try I went I was like, oh, they got him at TJ's or at the Trader Joe's. I go pick them up. Smell the an Trader
0: idea. We, we may we may do we may do some chocolate. We may make some uh, hot cocoa bombs. We should season here and uh, and give them out of some gifts.
1: We should do we could do like quite a few. We could do one that looks like a kitten for the nine kittens or Christmas movie. Like we we could do lots of hallmark. You could do a lot of things. Hot cocoa bombs. I mean, you're right. We'd have to call them hot cocoa specifically, as opposed to hot chocolate, because that's not. It's never hot chocolate in a hallmark movie.
0: No, I grew up with hot chocolate, but in Hazelwood, it is hot cocoa.
1: It's yes. true. It's. I think in hallmark, it's just hot cocoa. But we. That's actually something we should compare slightly, Mary. I mean, I know they're always drinking it but I can't decide now if I'm personally calling it hot chocolate or if they call it hot chocolate or if it's just cocoa
0: as opposed to cold cocoa cocoa.
1: or chocolate. Like, I don't, I mean, like the hot is kind of implied because it's winter, but we always have to refer to it specifically as hot cocoa. Okay. So this movie was crap. We would all agree. We don't know about the sequel. We don't care about the sequel, more importantly, probably, for, you know, the future of Hallmark. But disappointing, I would say, in my opinion, because I was excited about these sisters. I thought it would be good. And then I did point out in our last week that I wanted to know how it would be different to the Candace Cameron Bure movie where she plays twins and one lives in the city and one lives in the country. And It wasn't that much different than that. And but we don't really know to be fair, because we don't know what happens to the other system. But anyway, and that movie was actually on immediately after this. (laughs) That that Candace Cameron Barray one where she played two different characters. But anyway, where do we think that if we had our chance and we already know where we're gonna go with this one? And I'm pretty excited about it, to start this over, where did they legitimately get it wrong? And where would we start over?
0: Well, if it were up to me. I would increase the stakes of the story a little bit and make it kind of important that the theater gets saved. But I would also start to explore what happened to Uncle Dave.
1: Yes. So where in the movie does it go awry and change to our storyline, per se? From the very beginning or... When we I find think- out that Uncle Dave is left, is not with us any longer, and we need to do something about that, perhaps?
2: I think that when the, when the power goes out, there's a mis opportunity for things happening. That's
1: very true. <laughs> so the power goes out. What happens, son, Mary? This is at the first run of the, we're gonna rebuild and we all know that Uncle Dave is dead and the movie theater and you gotta sell it and blah, blah, blah. They have their first attempt at doing it. Power goes out, the fire the popcorn machine blows up, power. What happens next?
2: I mean, something shady should happen. For sure. We
1: we sort of discussed that perhaps this turns into a bit of a, a murder mystery and perhaps Uncle Dave has been leaving clues to, the, to our folks, his family and friends of his, of his beloved Hazelwood, to show that his death was no accident. This movie, of course, would have to be featured on Movies of Mysteries, as opposed to the standard Hallmark Channel. But that's okay. They don't do enough. There's no murders at Christmas, as we've already pointed out in previous. So this time, Dave is going to come back to solve his own murder. This would be one perhaps
2: for Nick Christmas, right? Oh, it would be one for Nick Christmas. You're right.
1: My little brother's fictitious detective character who solves Christmas rumors. Dominic Christmas. That oh, Dominic. Right. Yes, Dominic. Dominic Christmas. Christmas. Yes, the private detective for your, for hire at Christmas time.
0: I see Simon and Madsie being the team that really solves this. I think, I think it turns right. into the Simon and Madsie story. If you remember... Early on, when they first get to the theater, Simon takes Madsy up to show her their projection room and go on an adventure. Because that I think doesn't is where sound the exact- creepy. Yeah, well, you know, once again, when you sit in the theater and watch a dead guy's home movies, pretty much anything goes. So <laughs> Simon and Madsy go up into the projection booth. Power goes out. Emergency light comes on, at which time we see some sort of like fluorescent message across the wall of the... Uh, of the projection room that somehow uncle dave managed to leave and i believe that then sends our young heroes down a path of collecting clues they have to keep it a secret from the adults for a while but then uh, i believe simon starts to realize that one of the adults very close to the situation might be responsible for the untimely demise of uncle dave
1: i would agree with this entirely because they often say you know When it gets to like Halloween time, I get obsessed with watching like Ghost Hunters and all those kind of things just to like get me in the Halloween mood. And the children are the ones that always seem to like be able to say, but that that guy's in my room or that grandma's sitting in the rocking chair. Can't you see her? So children are always a little more susceptible to seeing these things. And so Uncle Dave maybe takes on that knowledge and is able to sort of give more messages to them and you're right there's sort of these keys that are left they can stay a part of the story but they're there for another reason and that's to sort of lay the groundwork for who the bad guy actually really is
2: and who is the bad guy
1: the bad guy is unfortunately for jennifer eric oh no why why would eric do such a thing we feel and i need to give fran some credit because this is a bit his storyline but it's very good eric actually stands to win big if star mark actually gets the contract to buy up this movie theater and they have promised him i don't know some kind of successful career in their movie chain and i would say he's even gone so far as to fabricate a lot of his personal life story now madzy maybe it's his niece maybe not maybe that you know like (laughs) he made up his daughter yeah, and that's not even a thing. I don't know. Maybe that's a step too far because Maggie's gonna help solve it. But then that could get bad. She finds out it's her dad. How does that happen? So it's gotta not be her dad. It has to be maybe she's like the neighbor's kid
0: that oh, no, he said no, no, no. to be my daughter. No, I think it's her dad. I think we go with it's her dad. I think we find out that her mom had died of mysterious circumstances Ooh. because because she caught wind of it and she just disappeared. It really turns into what? is in the dark underbelly of hazelwood i believe we we get into something that's almost twin Peaksian, right of of of, you know what is hazelwood is 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 it really eric is eric controlled by a larger more distant than a malevolent being we we don't know but there's i think there's a lot of avenues we can we can go down
1: right so there's like I mean, he's on the city council, but that's a front for some sort of surely other operation. We need a log lady esque character, I would say, that's like soothsayer like as well, that kind of tells us things. And I, I was a very big fan of Twin Peaks back in the day, although I have to admit, we were probably far too young to be watching it, <laughs> but we did. And our parents were like, oh, yeah, whatever, it's fine. We like David Lynch.
0: I was at a pretty pretty good age with my friends when twin peaks came along we were quite really quite obsessed with it i see the wacky self-centered real estate agent as sort of the soothsayer lady of the movie uh, where yes. she shows up and her <laughs> eyes roll back in her head a little bit and she says something really bizarre about about films Maybe she makes some strange sort of cryptic old film reference or something like that
1: yeah but. she definitely is is it could be a bit more of a lynchian Character
2: and are a bit more darker. And like, can what, we have clues left in the films? Like somewhere in the middle of the Christmas cartoon reel, that Dave left somewhere for Simon to find. There is hidden a clue. Maybe there is hidden just like it might even be the clue. This might be you know like how maybe the movie some ends.
1: kind of like threatening letter that he received or something that's like sell now or you know whatever like there's gotta he's gotta have had some evidence of threats made against him i think in all in the places but i like that
2: i mean then the question does arise that if dave really had evidence this concrete that he was about to be murdered then why did he not come forward with it before he was murdered
0: but Maybe he
1: didn't know who it was in time and that was sort of the thing i mean I don't know. I feel like he might
0: not have. He was. He might have been obsessed with his Christmas village and getting that all together.
1: And maybe someone. Maybe really, they're not out to kill him, but they. Maybe there's some value in the Christmas village, and they wanted to take that too. Maybe there's it's like in an there. heirloom. There's something, oh, really something valuable. In there. yeah. yeah.
2: There's something in the broken Christmas village pieces that Simon's right. going to find. That's exactly. And that right. something is a cassette tape that proves it's an audio recording of you know eric and starmark cinemas plotting the demise of all that is good and wholesome in christmas in america yes and uncle
0: dave uncle dave knew it and he had the recording and he was about to go public with it and he hid it in the little thing and then he got killed simon finds it it and reopens it and i yeah i think that like that there's a there's an ultimate scene of eric in the projection booth with Madsy. jennifer's just gone from this movie right we've just pretty much written her out of this, movie doesn't this matter.
2: It's definitely not called sister swap anymore i mean now it's about like Madsy's really dark internal conflict as so she slowly uncovers evidence that her father is a conspiracy no, no good mm-hmm. yeah and she maybe yeah. i
1: don't know she's gonna have to run away with simon now
0: and we already know what the murder weapon was
1: Oh the hot cocoa. It's the poisoned oh, hot poison. cocoa. The poison. That's jealousy. the through
0: line. The through line is the hazelwood cocoa. That's
2: right. I love it. I love it. The We're definitely cocoa. still uh, I think after this movie is remade, Hallmark should definitely still do hazelwood branded hot cocoa until they <laughs> <stores>. <laughs> they that they sell in their stores. Except now that will take on a different now. meeting. <laughs> no, they definitely should. Just now it'll take on like a slightly darker meeting. That's
1: right. You just have to i be like, which which one will you open today? <laughs> but m- maybe the secret poison is that one has pepperidge stops
2: in it. It Doesn't actually. Kill yeah. You. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Must be twenty-one to purchase.
1: That's right, and, and but you won't know which one has it in. It's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you get five bombs, and one has the stops.
0: Hazel bombs. CBD. Yeah. It, it, hazel
1: yeah. Bomb. Hazelwood bombs. Hazelwood
2: bombs. Yeah, one has the schnapps, one CBD laced, and then three are just blanks. Like it is just a surprise. Just like That's right. Don't make any fucking plans after. Do you, you want a cocoa. good night's
1: sleep or do you want a party? Come have our hazelwood chocolate bombs. <laughs> cocoa bombs. Okay, so do we have a purpose for either system? Or a sequel for that matter I would say. Or do we only figure out like as an audience who the murderer was in the first part. And in the second part, we come to a conclusion.
2: I'm pretty unconcerned about whether there's one part or two of this, quite Especially honestly, since
1: we're definitely not watching this either one.
2: Right. So I, this can be one part as far as I'm concerned, but I mean, I think we've definitely shifted the main character to being the kids like Simon and Madsy, And so I, I see Jennifer still having a role but her role kind of becomes more like ignorantly sinister, if that makes sense. She's the one who's like trying to save the Madison and just move forward with all this stuff. She's she got to be no hot.
0: Idea. She's got to be hot for Eric, too, I think. Oh, yeah, and then definitely. Because, because then you have the tension of Simon so sure that Eric might be this dangerous guy, but she's in love with him. She's not listening to Simon at all because she's got the, the hots for Eric. So I think she does play a role in, in that sense yeah
2: she's like walking into a trap here and simon can see it happening and can't talk her out of it and we
1: do feel like maybe that whole like getting jennifer on board is a bit of a ruse to to get you know more get into the christmas village get the tape whatever you know eric has to get this sale done so he probably doesn't really give a shit
0: about her Sorry, yeah. we know that Eric and Meg had been acquaintances in, in real time in this movie, as in like right before she went to Salt Lake City, they would see each other, they interacted, they did sort of, and oh, I yeah, think he, she
1: lives in the tap
0: and I think Eric uses Meg as a tool, gets her out to Salt Lake City gets some seed sown with, with Jennifer so that Jennifer comes back Meg's out in Salt Lake City now and Eric's got his uh,
1: his way in
0: his, his, hooks. his way in
1: intriguing, so so do we think the kids are able to catch Eric in time
0: or what? It's a Hallmark movie. It's got to be caught by Christmas, right?
2: Yeah, sure, totally. Paper, he gets caught on Christmas Easter. Eve. Uh, yeah, they're the, going to the, catch the, him and they're, the going to have, they're going to have Dominic Christmas there ready to arrest him. Oh, that's true. Dominic Christmas will definitely be there ready to arrest them. I mean, Simon and Madsy have to do most of the legwork themselves because they're the heroes of this movie. Maybe they like but... find... They have to, like, find the business card of Dominic Christmas or something. And they're like, no one believes this, Dominic. We need your help. That was something that was in the other missing Christmas Village piece.
1: Ah, yes, because Uncle Dave was friends with Dominic. Yeah. And he knew that Dominic would help the kids find, find the real killer. So there's the audio tape in the Christmas Village and Dominic Christmas business card.
0: I don't, think, I don't think there's really room for it in this story, but I would love to see a scene where they chase Eric through the senior center and all the seniors are like running after him. Oh, blankets. that could
2: be in there somehow. That, that could be in the arrest scene. Yes. He tries to escape um, to the during the senior center. Yeah, during the senior center caroling event. He tries to blend in with the senior carolers and they're like... Dominic Christmas has seen it all.
1: They're like that man awesome. on the walker
2: over there, doesn't need the walker, and then he's like, "Oh shit!" And I've been found out. Throws the walker at the kids and like takes off running. And and then like, yeah,
1: we have to have some massive apology scene of Jennifer and Simon and going, "I should have trusted you," and you know, but I'm glad you called. And maybe she ends up with Dominic now because Dominic saves the
2: day. Maybe, you know, she, could be. And Simon I think it's one say, of those
0: i think it's one of those scenes where you know you were right simon i'm so sorry and then it's like yeah okay mom but now we got to go save the day and then maybe it's maybe it's simon jennifer and Madsy at the end that, that sort of round up the whole the whole and are they the gonna scene.
1: they're obviously gonna take on Madsy because her dad's an asshole
2: i mean somebody's gotta like adopt Madsy now i guess because yeah. he's going to prison for Ever
1: forever, for yeah. He's done a lot of bad things.
0: No, he's he's a bad man. He's a bad bad man.
1: So well, we've done something totally different now. Unless she ends up with Dominic Christmas, because is there going to be any love in this movie?
2: It will be foiled. The love will will come crashing down.
1: Correct. All right. Well, I definitely think that one is better. I mean, anything that features yeah. Dominic Christmas I, and that actually turns into a murder. I'm already more scared. intrigued
0: and excited than i was at any point last night between <laughs> 8 and 10 p.m i <laughs> already I more think, interested so I, I am i they, they do you murder old, mysteries
1: fran. on the movies and mysteries channel they just stop in like october and it's all happy whatever but looking ahead another thing we kind of tend to do fran this year is predict slightly what happens on some of these movies that are upcoming so Next weekend, we have one we're already very excited about called A Dickens of a Holiday.
2: Oh, yeah. That one we're definitely watching.
1: Another one called A Royal Queen's Christmas. And then we have The Sister Swap, Christmas in the City, which we don't give a shit about. And then I think over on the other channel, Friday, we have Sugar Plum Twist, Christmas House 2, Deck Those Halls. And then we also have on Sunday, Tis the Season to be merry." Which one would you like to guess about?
2: I was going to say, Tis the Season to be merry" is about me.
1: Oh, very nice. I like it. It's
0: we've always all, the season to be merry. Like,
1: yeah. like they don't play on Mary and Mary
2: very well. Do you pronounce them differently, by the way? Because I don't. I
1: do not.
0: In talking about these upcoming movies, I will make a pedantic point here because I just something I found out recently. So the the phrase Dickens of, a Dickens of a time or a Dickens of a problem has nothing to do with Charles Dickens. It was actually invented by Shakespeare for the Merry Wives of Windsor, Windsor in 1600. It's probably a, a like a, a shortening of devilkins, devil, devilkins oh. or something. Oh,
2: right.
0: So uh, that obviously-
2: makes
0: Yes. Yes. So it does. that movie it, could also cause...
1: be a bit dark. Then it that could be. It could... It's it all.
0: We, it could be sort of middle ages. We could we could do a middle ages, uh, really dirty, gritty, grimy kind of hallmark. Take oh,
2: out. that could be good. That could That's be good. Very good. A middle ages, dirty, gritty, grimy hallmark. I like it. Where are we going with this? Is somebody?
0: I love the idea that it is that it is dark and gritty and grimy and desolate and yet the level of tension is just about the same as it always is there's no it's no. people are pretty happy in their lives but it could be a little better if they move back home and they hung out with the cave kid that they you know they hung out with before they moved over to the next mud pit but now they come back to the to their original mud pit and they find themselves once once again
1: See, maybe my middle ages are not really the right time frame, but I'm like picturing like turkey legs and like chamber pots,
0: yeah. I, yeah, no, that's kind of it. Not yeah, caves, yeah. That I think work. shacks and not caves, but maybe, yeah, shacks and but still, like you know, out you know, out people are doing their business out of windows and you know, that horrible history is sort of uh, sort uh of yes, to yes,
2: it. yes. Can our hero be like a bard who you know, like? Oh, sings yeah. Christmas carols from village to village
1: he's definitely I... singing when we go a wassailing
0: and I love the best I, Christmas I love, song ever made I love the idea that there's like the, the typical hallmark musical montages but they're just like a lute in one voice and, and...
2: I love it I love it yes Absolutely, please.
0: People are slaughtering calves.
2: Well, I was gonna say, what do you think they do in these montages? Because they're not like baking cookies or they're not no, they're
1: out,
0: they're, they're, they're out in the fields, they're pulling they're, wheat. They're, they're, they're
1: slaughtering the lamb
2: for dinner.
0: Yeah. yeah exactly all, right.
2: they understand pulling turkey feathers. They understand what the twelve days of Christmas are. Exactly. Right. And they celebrate 12 days.
1: So A Dickens of a Holiday is obviously post Christmas and everything's dark and just like bad times in London.
0: A Dickens of a Holidays, a plague Christmas.
2: <laughs> oh no. Oh no.
0: Can we set it against the plague? I think that that would certainly timely. It would be timely.
2: Yes. Yes,
1: yes. Well, I I mean, this is a very different Hallmark movie, but there's one thing we can guarantee we know for sure.
2: They will.
0: I have hot cocoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, friend, this was an extremely dark version of Hallmark. This week. And I would have to say we'd have to have all that to you. But thanks for reminding us what we have become almost blind to. And that is some of this ridiculousness that's that is Hallmark. You know, we come to accept it as fact. And and in fact, to the point that it's hard to point out some of the things now, because there's not a lot of standout things anymore. And you're reminding us that it is, in fact, a lot of standout bullshit that we just don't notice anymore.
0: I have visited uh, Frankenmuth, Michigan, which, uh, if you don't know, is, is one of the biggest Christmas towns in the country, Bronners of Frankenmuth. You can see them advertised in surrounding states for thousands of miles. And Frankenmuth couldn't even touch Hazelwood <laughs> and, and the amount of Christmas that was infested into these people's <laughs> lives. I'm convinced that once January 2nd hits, they all go to sleep and they don't wake up again until November 1st, when they begin to prep for to Thanksgiving for, and Christmas. For this, Christmas. It's like, it's like Brigadoon where these towns <laughs> only emerge out of the, out of the snow. When uh, when we start to hear Christmas. Santa's bells, well, that's just
2: why Meg time. was going to go to Paris after Christmas because Hazel would actually cease to exist. That's it's right. just that it disappears back into to, if the mist. She midst. wants
1: to age another year. She has to go to Paris. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, thank you for
2: joining us, friend. That was very fun.
0: That was super fun. It's good that to was see fun. you, Mary. Thank
2: you. Good to see you too.
1: Thank you for listening to Hallmark Talk. Find us online at HallmarkDuck.com, on Instagram at HallmarkDuck, and on Facebook at HallmarkDuck with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcast.